Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I'm in conversation. I'm privileged to be in conversation with a Venezuelan American actor, director, and producer. Uh, their latest uh, project, Safe Word, is a quirky, queer psychological drama about the paralyzing tension between self-loathing and love. Please welcome Mauricio Pita. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Rob. Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you, you for, for coming on. Introduction. <laughs> what a really nice introduction. Well, thank you. I, I've had some people say, look, I'm just going to take this part of the podcast and use it for my reel. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so be, before we get too like embedded into the conversation, I want to like start off with something that either is paralyzing or <laughs> that is very uh, opening. Uh, tell, tell us about the your story. Tell us about the introductory story. What's that sort of like elevator pitch, if you will, like? Who is Mauricio Pita? Give us the rundown, please. Well, Mauricio Pita is somebody who is a Latino queer man who struggles with mental health and loves uh, making art and connecting with people. Um, I grew up in Caracas, Venezuela. Um, and in 1985. <laughs> um, you too? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, you too? Oh, that's yeah. all right. um, <laughs> See, no, you know. Um, and um, I moved to the U.S. in 2002. So I've been in the country for 20 years. Um, and I um, moved to Connecticut, then went down to New York City, went to school in New York City, went to school for acting. Um, and I was doing a lot of music and then I moved to DC about five years ago. And that is like the super short version. A lot of stuff happened in between. And of course I'm going to probably get into it, but that's the elevator pitch idea, right? I, I appreciate that. Sometimes I, um, I troll people and say, poorly describe what you do. And they're like, I don't know what to do with that. I'm like, my example would be, I talk to people who are smarter than me all the time. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> um, if I had to describe myself like poor, like if describe what I do poorly, I would say I um, make stories up um, and I uh, somehow put other pieces of art together to help tell those stories. Like, you know, I don't know. I make stuff up. I make stuff up. I'm a liar, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's great, actually. That's see, that's that's one of those things when, you know, because as we were talking about a little bit where more of this networking stuff comes in, that actually is an interesting way to describe it. Like, um, I, I remember, you know, and I've referenced this before, the, the Austin Cleon books deal, like an artist, and he would talk about just different people. I remember there was, I think, a David Bowie quote, and he was like, I'm just a tasteful thief. And yeah. that right there is like, oh, this is interesting. Tell me more. But yeah. if someone comes to say, oh, I'm an actor, I'm in theater, I'm, yeah, da, 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 da. It's like, I'm a liar. I make believe for a living. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's truth in all of that. Like, there's truth in lying, right? Like, yeah. as, a, as an actor. Another thing is, like, everybody has a different idea of what an actor is. Yeah. Like, and so, in a different approach. And, and in my career, I've learned that, you know, imagination, which is the idea that you believe so truthfully in, like, in a circumstance, in something, um, allows you to become a really good liar. <laughs> um, but... Um, I like to describe, it's really, I have a really difficult time actually describing the type of 
art that I do or who I am as an artist, because yeah. I can't put myself in a single category. Uh, you know, if I say that I'm an actor, I, you know, a lot of people will imagine that my life is going from audition to audition and like that sort of, and I had that, I lived that life at one point, but I think now I think it's a little different. I, sure. I'm curating my own stories. I'm commissioning work with my, with collaborators. I, I find myself devising a lot of, uh, work. And so I call myself an actor, but it's not in the traditional sense, I think. And so, um, calling myself a liar is, <laughs> it's provocative in a way. I don't know. Yeah, this no, is the first absolutely. time I call myself that, by the way. So <laughs> absolutely it is though. And, um, yeah, you should use that. Um, <laughs> So I, I want to talk about some of those like early inspirations, like what drew you to, to acting to that, well, to acting, but more so like the whole production side of things, acting, um, producing, directing, and, and ultimately this is a short film we're going to talk about in a bit. So what drew you to that initially? I wanted to live a life that was different from the one that I was living Sure. Um, and that was the thing that really drew me to the performing arts in general. I, when I was, you know, I grew up in Venezuela and there, I guess the environment that I grew up in, I, I grew up in a really loving home. Like it's nothing to say about my parents and like my parents were really loving people, but I was bullied a ton, like daily in school. Like it was torture and I would have to deal with that. You know, I went to a school that <laughs> from the, I went to the same school from elementary all the way to high school. Like it was the same building with the same classmates. Same bullies. <laughs> same bullies. You're yeah. absolutely right. I dealt with that the entire life. So I fantasized. And so I would live in my imagination. I would come home and I remember playing music and pretending that I was Britney Spears. I'm just being completely honest here. <laughs> and, or Leonardo DiCaprio and all these like movie stars that I was watching and, and and pop stars and all these famous people. And I and I felt like they were living this amazing life. Yeah. And so I started to really get into the idea of, okay, like this is not real. This is an imagination. Like it, this is all imagination. And so there's a career path where I get to imagine and I get to play and I get to be other people and I get to escape my own yeah. troubled, you know, experiences. Um, that's really what drew me into it. And then I had a couple of teachers who kind of noticed that I had one specific teacher when I was like 10 years old who was doing like a, it was like a music teacher and he did like a, like a, like a auditioning class for a like singing competition for you know middle school or elementary school actually it was like fifth grade and um and he picked me and then sort of curated you know we started to rehearse something and then i started to develop um a relationship with um the art itself you know and the way to produce that art um and i thought that that was uh, uh, I, I felt like there was a path that way. And then yeah. one thing led to another. Um, and I received a lot of support from my parents. I have to say like both my parents, they never questioned, like they never said to me, well, how are you going to make a living doing that? Or they never said to me like, Oh, you know what? You should really think about doing like computer science or like something else that I actually was interested in too. Like I was interested in doing other stuff too, but they always pushed me to do the thing that I, that they saw me the happiest. That's great. That's great to have that, have that around, have, you know, people who 
are close to you, family, parents that are more important? Because, you know, I, I don't talk about this often there, but I mean, despite me being a large and intimidating person in, in person, I, you know, I had the bullying thing because, you know, or being bullied rather, because I was into some of the geekier stuff. I was into some of the weirder stuff. And you don't fit in and it's like you know being a you know black kid or what have you oh you got to do this this and this it's mm -hmm. like yo i'm into wrestling and like anime and i like to record conversations and you know that's kind of what that is and and having some degree like you know as i got older where my parents were like i'm not sure if i understand it but I'm not going to, I'm not going to reject it. I support it. Like I support, you know what you're going to do. Right. And, um, you know, being able to do both, like I pursued business, but always in the back. And it's like the Austin Cleon thing. When they talk about when you sell off pieces of yourself, you mm -hmm. had that phantom limb syndrome, like, oh, I still want that. That's what I came back to doing this. And even doing art, um, I do a comic book and you know i still have that business foundation kind of what we were talking about earlier that you can still navigate while still creating mm -hmm. and it's 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 hard work it's long hours and doing some of the things that we all do as creatives so filmmaking theater production performing arts long hours hard let's let's talk about finding your why and let's talk about what keeps you motivated I, I feel like there's no, I have no choice. <laughs> it was one of those things where just like, I, when I, one thing that I do have is that I am very persistent and mm -hmm. I really do not give up easily on if I, if I want something, sure. I go all the way until I, I get it even in a self-sacrificing way. Like, you know, like sometimes I, I sacrifice a lot of, you know, there were times where I was not seeing my family for a long time but it's just because i was i had that ambition and that goal and that idea and so like that determination is something that i um kind of kept me going and there were times and episodes and chapters of my life where i just had to take a break from art making in a way because i needed to survive or i needed to you know get a job somewhere like primarily those are the things right um and like you're saying there's uh like there was something missing yeah. And something that always pulls you back and you just go, yeah, you can try to do this. You can try to do this other path, but you know that that's not authentic to who you really are. Yeah. And you just have to listen to your gut and say, listen, if my spirit is fulfilled by doing this thing, then the sacrifices that you make hurt less. Like they don't hurt as much. Like for me, when I, when I'm producing safe work, right? Like in this process of producing yeah. safe work and starring in it and doing fundraising for it and marketing and doing all of these things for it. Like <laughs> it doesn't feel like a job. Yeah. It just doesn't. It feels like, it feels like I'm taking care of a, of a, of my baby, of my child, of my spirit, of my soul, right? Like it just feels different. Um, and I found myself like working part-time at an office somewhere feels like torture, right? feels like, oh, my soul, you know, like, in a way, you know, in a way, in a way for me, for me. And so, um, and then as you get older, as I, as I got older, I'm just going to speak from my own experience. Um, you learn to sort of find the balance, right? Like you can't always be making art because art has to be funded and has to be organized and you have to get people to see it. And so you have to learn business. Yeah. You have to utilize the experiences of working and administrating and budgeting and, and doing all of the things that come with 
those experiences. So it all comes together at the end, but it's, it's hard. The yeah. motivation is telling that story. I have to tell that story. I have to do it, you know? And I, and I think it's it's important to be able to share what goes on under the creation of the art, under okay. that finished product. And I think it's a disservice when people just, you know, this, I was blessed and then it happened. No. That's, that's not how it goes. And, no. and I think I make an effort when I do these interviews with folks of, I want to know about the work, but I also want to know about the person because that's what's underlying it. It's just like, you know, Mauricio might love peanut butter. It might love, you know, like, look, I need this peanut butter sandwich while I'm working. This is what keeps me recharged. And, you know, I have a special thank you at the end of this film to Jeffy or Harry. Yeah, I need yeah. to know why that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so if, if you will, since it's a really good spot for us to talk about, cause you mentioned it, um, tell us about safe word. And, um, yeah. I have a second bullet point for, but I want to start off there. Give us the yeah. rundown, please. Seaford is the story of Cesar. Um, Cesar is a masochist, somebody who self-loathes, and he is um, uh, seen, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the plot, he's seen uh, a, a dom, somebody who has a relationship with, and the rules change halfway through the film of what their role play is, Ooh. and it forces Cesar to confront the self-loathing in order to keep the relationship going. Um, and so the film started with um, a desire to um, talk about the conflict that exists internally with, with my own introduction to the idea of self-love. And so let me just like clarify that a little bit when, you know, when dealing with depression and sort of like that, my mental health and um, when I started to go to therapy for, for, for it like years ago, um, a new positive voice was sort of getting introduced. Mm-hmm. And instead of just being like, okay, now everything is amazing. Like I have this like amazing positive voice that I can rely on. What ended up happening is that I ended up having like an argument with myself constantly mm-hmm. because I had the negative voice that would say, you're not good enough, you're worthless, all of these things. And then you had the new positive voice coming in and interjecting and going, no, actually, factually, you're this and this and this. And so I would have an argument with myself. And so I brought up the idea of making a film about that specific conflict, that battle, to a dear friend, um, Eva von Schweinitz, who lives in New York. And I've met, I worked with her uh, uh, devising theater uh, while I was living in New York. And I just sent her some journal entries about that kind of conflict. And then she came up with the original like story concept of this two people who are in a relationship and the character of bear, who is the the other character um, in the film um, is sort of like an externalization of my inner voices. Right. That's why he switches the rules of the game. He goes, actually, what about this? And then the character goes, I don't know what to do with that. Like, no, you're lying to me. This is not true. What's going on. Right. Right. Um, and then Christopher Cunero, came, uh, who I've worked with also a few times, was fantastic, like an amazing, he's like an incredible visual artist and filmmaker and writer. Um, and he's local, he's a DC local filmmaker. Um, I brought up the film to him, I brought up the script to him, and I said, would you like to take the lead in this as a director? And he jumped in and he helped uh, fine tune the script, make it a little bit closer to me and and so that's kind of the story of Safeword, and that's why it came uh, about. And, and it's been a really healing p- process 
Yeah. And it's also been extremely difficult um, because it's very meta in a way because through it, while I'm producing it and I'm acting in it, I keep asking myself, like, the voices, of course, come back. Like, the negative voices come in my head. And so I just go, this is really uh, a dangerous thing. And at any moment, I feel like I could just say, this is too much for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't handle this. Right. And am I going to use the safe word? Meaning I quit at any moment, right? Yeah. And so um, I kept saying to myself, my voices are saying, you need to stop doing this. You need to run away. And I need to do the opposite. I need to keep going. I need to do the opposite of what that, what they're saying to me, what my own inner negative voice is saying to me. And so this is, this is why it's going, we're going all the way. I, I love going all the way to challenge that, to challenge that narrative that I've made about myself in the hopes that other people, when they watch it, identify themselves, um, find things that, like, I just don't, I, I doubt that I'm the only person in the world who feels that way. And I hope that the film builds that kind of community and opens up that conversation. That's, that's great. Um, I, I think we, we get to these spots and thank you for sharing that. Um, of course. I think we get to these spots where we have something that overrides what our impulse is, what that negative self-talk might be. And, you know, one of the things that you, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, having ambition, I always joke, like I'm running off of ambition and, sp- and, and spite, you know, it's just, it's just That's that. Right. And, um, you know, when it gets to a spot of when I'm stretching outside of that comfort zone, that's when I know that the naysayer is there. When I know that that negative yes. self-talk is there and there have been a few times where I have these somatic responses of, mm-hmm. okay, I'm about to do some, um, like I can do this. This, this, is, this is easy. Right. Um, but if I'm doing the same sort of thing, just talking to people, but I'm doing it on stage, I'm sweating. I got migraines. It's, it's just a mess. And it's something telling me, Oh, get off. You're going to fail. Hurry up and bomb, you know, and, and do all of that. And I choose the other thing. I choose just to do it and I choose to make it happen. Yeah. 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 Well, my therapist something said something to me that really like stuck with me. It's sort of like, I, I kept saying to him, it's like, I wish I was fearless. I wish I was one of those people who was fearless, right? And he was just like, that's denying a part of your humanity. Like fear is an emotion that is extremely human. Yeah. And so fear's not going to go away. Like I'm not going to stop being afraid, right? But it's about doing the things that I dream about in spite of being afraid of them. Right? Yeah. Like me producing a film and committing to it and putting money into it and asking people for their support and putting myself in a really vulnerable position in many layers. Yeah. It's something that orig- my brain says, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go there. Like you're, you know, if you fail and your career might be destroyed. I mean, like that's literally like what my brain is saying, right? <laughs> and you just have to go and say, no, you know what? I have to do it. I have to do it. In sp- Thank you, brain. Mm-hmm. Thank you for trying to protect me. Yeah. But if I stay in the comfort zone, I'm never going to grow. I'm not going to reach my dreams. I'm not going to accomplish right. the goal. So I have to put myself in an uncomfortable situation. And safe word is that. Yeah. It's literally that. It's that. And of course, it's it's sexy and it's like <laughs> all of the other things that I love. And you have to, you have to give something to the gays. I mean, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Give the people what they want, damn it. <laughs> you gotta give it, you gotta, but you know, it's so funny because like sometimes when I was like pitching the movie to like donors and, and yeah. fundraising, we're really going in here. 
I was like, oh my God, people are going to think that this is a very sexual film. It's really not. Like, it's really not because the word safe word and like, you know, a dom and a sub and all of that. And it's like, underneath all of that, it's somebody who really wants to love, who really wants to find love. And, you know, and and underneath all of it is a deeper story. And, (laughs) but I was just like, but sex is good like people yeah. need to watch this you know so it's like finding that right balance between like how do i make sure that donors know that i'm not just like producing something that's like crazy pornographic or something it's not like that i promise it's not that but but i think that's a i think that's the thing that you know in terms of like media that we've gotten really weird with we've regressed in some regards or what have you and i'm not doing that you know full segue that could go on for hours but yeah i i think that we have regressed and really it's like at the root of it what is the story and you've described it and i think if people aren't able to see that then right. they're doing themselves a disservice if we're, if we're being honest here right 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 i mean that's the thing it's sort of like you, you can't look at something with a at face value you have to be curious enough to know that there is something more underneath it and and hopefully people will find it and see it it's there um but in general with every project right like you know right now we're doing a lot of like work in terms of like marketing materials and all of that and at that point you just have to go and like do i reveal the substance of the film and the marketing materials or i just let it exist for what it is and let people discover it when they see it. And so like, those are the questions that I always ask myself as I produce work is sort of like, yeah. how much do I want to like tell people and how yeah. much do I want to hide? So that way they're surprised, like pleasantly surprised that this movie is about the human condition and what we do to ourselves yeah. when we have hated ourselves for so long, you know? So anyway, I don't know. <laughs> I no, do no, know. no, no, you do. You do. I do 100%, know. 100% you do. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, I know that I encounter this and I think when we have um, skin in the game, whether it's, you yes. know, the, the time investment, the, the financial investment, the, you know, the equity, you're calling in those chips, like, hey, man, come on out, man, come on to my show. How how do you know when to cut bait on something when it's like not working? Like when you feel like this isn't, when you get the real, not even the naysayer, when you're like, there's a lot of things going against this right now. Cause, cause I struggle with that on occasion where I try to do everything. I've been riding this wave of not saying no. Right. And being able to stretch for opportunities and some are just like, this doesn't fit. This doesn't fit my life configuration or, you know, what sort of test, if you will, that you run to make sure things are running congruent to what you value. And when do you kind of like cut bait? For me is the, um, I, I, I really argue with myself and then I just at the end of it all, you just have to trust your gut. Like to me is gut, 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 instinct, instinct. If something doesn't feel something doesn't feel like like right, I think mm-hmm. that's the thing about art. It's subjective. There's yeah. no formula. And you just have to go with your gut. And you also have to listen to other people. It is not an isolated process for me. I like to collaborate. Mm-hmm. A reason why I like to collaborate is because other people can also push things forward. Where if I was just doing it alone, I, you know, I would quit before everyone else. But having the responsibility of taking care of other people and collaboration can sort of give you that that sort of like mm, it's not just me. There's other people involved in this, and they also have a say. But you know, like I think in your gut, you know when something is um, when you just have to go. Nope, not working. 
right? right? And then you have those big debates, right? Like with your team, with, with your collaborators, if you have collaborators, right? Um, I like to show work to people who I trust, even mm -hmm. when it's an incomplete process, just so I can get feedback um, and, and questions. I like people to ask me questions about the art itself because it makes me think. I don't, want, I don't want necessarily people to give me the answers, but just make me think and let me come up with my own answers. Um, and then, but the magic thing is that when you know it's right, you know it's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When something yeah. works, you know as well. And so that's why gut. Yeah, I, I ride the, I ride the high, hot street when I step outside of what I kind of do of like, oh, this is centered in Baltimore, this is centered in DMV and so on. But when mm -hmm. I say, I'm going to go here and I, I did a series of interviews in Texas and mm -hmm. I kind of struggle with, and I asked, you know, kind of the same approach, like, all right, this isn't out yet. I want to get a, you know, a temperature on, does this make sense? Should I do it in this way? Should I separate it from the main feed? And one of the pieces of advice that he gave me, and I kind of apply this to what I do now, it's more of a confidence sort of thing and more of a informative sort of thing. It's just like the people that dig what you do, they trust you. So if you're saying this is the lane, and this is what you're doing, they're going to ride along with you. And, right. the, and those who don't, that's just what that is. So now when I pitch ideas, I, I say it with a with my chest into it, with some confidence of yeah. this is what I'm going to do. I can tell you why. I can tell you what's, what's the thinking behind it. But it's very much my idea, my unique perspective and really valuing that because who else going to do what I do? I, yeah. You know, the same as you. Who's going to have your perspective and those experiences that are baked into your work? And you also know, like, I mean, I, from my, in my, in my experience, it's also like when I know that something, if I, if I have the conviction and the confidence to, 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 to believe in a project, right? Like safe word is something that I knew I believed in from the beginning, right? Yeah. And it felt really personal to me. And I know that I had a lot of negative voices coming in my head about logistics, like money and time and schedule and who's going to do this and who's going to do that. The insecurity was that I was never insecure about the story. Right. So if I had that one thing as an anchor that was grounding me, there was no, no way to deter me from doing it. Right. So I just, the pitch became about like, no, I believe in this and this is why I believe in this. And then people, people perceive that and they don't, like you say, they don't, they don't know they don't they don't they're not in it they don't have the same sort of input and so they trust you yeah and they believe in you and yeah. so that i always found this is actually a really healing process this whole filmmaking because the people who support you you know sometimes you just go like oh you know like fundraising asking for money like who's going to support it who's going to do that and then people start to show up yeah and, and you just go oh it's a big you know slap to those voices in your head right yeah. It sort of says you were lying to me this whole time. Look at this evidence now, yeah. and then now in the future, then I have now a. Wow, I'm going to age myself here. We're going to a rolodex of um, <laughs> of evidence right. that says that says no. Yeah, it's a lie. Yeah, it's a lie. That's that's no that's 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 great. We're we're on the same page here. We're speaking the same. It's that 85. It's that 85 yeah. right there. Speaking the same language. Yeah. Yeah, it's a 85. <laughs> so I, I think I think that that's a good spot for us to stop on the real questions. Um, and I want to throw out some quick rapid fire questions for you because, you know, we, we like to peel the onion back even further. Uh, oh, so this is going to be ridiculous. I'm just letting you know. OK, um, I'm going to throw out a softball, though. 
All what right. is something you regularly have for breakfast? Fried eggs. <laughs> okay. No, that, that's, that's, yep. fun. that's fun. Protein I, is good. Yeah. <laughs> I have a uh, spite. I have spite for breakfast. A nice bowl of spite with whole oh, milk. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, if you could be an animal for, for a day, which animal would it be? My own dog, <laughs> to be honest with you, has a really amazing life. <laughs> it's like, you just keep winning, don't you, pooch? <laughs> he sleeps, plays, has good food, has somebody who loves him. It's great. <laughs> it's a good trait. It's, it's, like it's like the shaggy dog, right? It's a, yeah, it's, it's a Venezuelan shaggy dog situation. <laughs> yes. uh, what is the best piece of uh, fashion advice you've ever received? Ooh, um, um, best piece of fashion advice. Um, uh, my mom used to say to me from Coco Chanel, take one thing off before you go to out, like an accessory or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. That's great. Sometimes I wear like a, a, you know, an earring and a necklace and a bracelet and a ring and I go, that's too much. Just take one off. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I like to wear like bandanas now as, as my, uh, my, my partner, oh, yeah. my, my, my girlfriend will make fun. She's like, huh, you're going into this phase. She's like tiny glasses, big scarf. You've been around too many artists. And I'm like, look, <laughs> yeah. I was you're like, I was like, can I live you know for five what I minutes? Don't do? I don't wear a lot of patterns. Yeah. I like to wear like simple, uh, like black, red, you know, simple colors because I don't like to think too much about matching and like what works and doesn't work. And so I just wear like neutral. So I guess that's another piece of advice, but no one gave me that. I just came up with that. I'm, I'm going into this phase where I want to just Steve Jobs it a little bit where I'm just yeah. going to buy all black Carhartt, wear the Doc Martens and then wear ridiculous like necklaces and goofy jewelry. I have um, I have a piece of handmade jewelry. It's a two finger ring, but it's the uh, the Hokusai Great Wave off oh, of Kanagawa. Cool. And the last few times I've gone to like a gallery or something, so I was like, where the hell did you get that, that ring from? I was like, oh, I had somebody make this. And I was like, oh, snap, I just did the art thing. No, but that's great because you look, look, you see what you did. You just have like very neutral, yeah. like sort of like a blank canvas, and then you have a conversation piece. So you have something to start the conversation, and yeah. everything else is just there to exist. Yes, I don't like to think too much about what I do in terms <laughs> of like clothing. And I and I was saying yesterday to a, a, a colleague, sorry, I'm getting into it, no, no, um, no. that I um I actually do love fashion. <laughs> like I love fashion. I just don't like to think about it too much when it comes to myself. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Um, yes. I, I'll, I'll throw out this last one. Uh, I remember I was growing my hair at the beginning of the pandemic, and my girlfriend was like, "So, are you just going for the Lester Holt thing, or what?" Because she was like, "I see it slicked back now," and I was like, "Look, just just stop it." She was like, "If that's what you're doing, I, I like it. You know, you like it. I love it." I was like, "I don't love it. I just it's your just... girlfriend questions you, questions your choices a lot." I just have to say, <laughs> she, she's she's a theater person. She's just but like, why? she's just like, "What are you doing? What, what's happening here?" <laughs> um, so this is the last last rapid fire question okay. I got. So I've I've heard several artists of various disciplines describe copying or stealing or being influenced, if you will. Who do you steal from? Who are your influences and uh, what do you steal from them? Like name one or two of them. Oof, oof. You know, I was thinking about that. That's hard. I don't, oof, I, you know, um, I would say um, I have close collaborators. I, I don't necessarily, well, I do steal from them. I steal from all of them. Um, <laughs> I actually really admire this local artist. I'm sure you know who he is. So my 24 if he listens to this interview, he's going to reach out because he's a good friend of mine. Um, I love his art. I love what he does. I love what he does. He is, he has the audacity to create work mm. that is just, 
um, truthful, honest, personal, and goes all the way. And I've worked with him and I, I steal from him. In terms of like famous people, it's kind of tough. Like I was, uh, Robin Williams is somebody who I really admired growing up. I thought that he was like the most versatile and talented actor out there. Um, and so I really, really admire him. Um, but Somebody in 24 has been one of the biggest influences career-wise for me. And I've only known him for like five years. Um, um, so, yeah. That's legit. Thank you. Um, yeah. So with that, I want to um, I want to close out. I want to thank you for being on this podcast. And I want to invite and encourage you. Here, here's the, the shameless pitch, the same shameless plug portion of the podcast. Um, tell the fine folks about Safe Word, where to find it, where to check it out. Website, which is a great website, by the way. So shout out to you on that. You. Um, the floor is yours. Thank you. So Safe Word, you can learn about Safe Word by going to safeword.film. And you can learn about uh, my company, my production company, by going to Tepui, that's T-E-P-U-I, media.com. Um, we're going to have a press screening on November 16th at Gala Hispanic Theater. Um, you can just go to the Tepui Media website and reach out to us there. Uh, and then it's going to go into the film festival circuit. So it'll be in a city close to you. <laughs> I like the way you said that. <laughs> yes, so there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Mauricio Pita, safe word, safe word, safe word for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, performance, creativity in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. Oh,